let's talk about the knob heads on LinkedIn. Oh. <laughs> I think my first viral post was a guy who messaged me. It was like, so what's your favourite position? Oh and I just put CEO. Badass move. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to put up with yeah. sexual harassment so his children can eat. What would you want people to think when they hear the name Leah Turner? Good question. What it really fundamentally comes down to is I want to make a positive impact on the world. I don't want to be defined as a tattooed professional or um, a LinkedIn influencer. Ten years ago, I was uh, off my tits on mushrooms, dancing mm -hmm. around on a full moon party on a Thai beach. On any social media, it's really important to take control of your own experience. I always say it's like training a puppy. <laughs> if you don't train it properly, there will be shit everywhere. There's nothing wrong with paying someone to create your content and write your story. But you can't do that and then claim you're being authentic. Hello. Hi. Leah Turner, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. It's amazing that um, we've known each other for such a long time. This is actually the first day where we've actually met in person. I know, you're a lot taller than I expected. I get that quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to go back, because um, I, th I think I, I owe you a thank you, actually. Um, when I started out as a freelancer and decided to leave my job and pursue the world of LinkedIn, um, one, you're one of the people that I looked at as a profile, your content to learn from. And secondly, I released a ebook, which you very kindly um, agreed to participate in. And I think a lot of the exposure that I got when I launched my business was through you and your audience. So before we go any further, I'd just like to say thank you. I, did, I didn't realise that had had such an impact. So yeah, that's really lovely to hear. And you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can invoice me later. <laughs> <laughs> you can't afford me yet. <laughs> But yeah, we've got a lot of mutual connections and obviously over over the last two years, I'd say now, I've been just inspired by your story and mm. everything you've achieved. So the, the point of this episode is to delve into some of that and get to know you as well as, you know, the business and the brand and what we see online, but also who you are as a person and the kind of things you've done, achieved and overcome. And I'm sure we'll get into some of the, the nitty gritty of the LinkedIn <laughs> world <laughs> for any listeners. But yeah... Just let's let's start at the beginning, kind of at the start of your LinkedIn journey. How did you fall into into the world of LinkedIn? Um, so it was back in 2019, um, sort of end of summer, beginning of autumn. And I was at the point where I was working insane hours for my business. And I was working for a lot of clients that I didn't really mm. enjoy. Like they were nice people, but the work wasn't very fulfilling. Yeah. And I was finding it very draining um and my son was getting older and his his needs when they're when he was a baby it was easier to manage like I, I could work late at night but the more active he became more of a toddler he became I was like oh my god I do not have the energy to work late at night because I'm <laughs> running around after him all day um so I started thinking about when he started school the following year I wanted to be able to work less hours um so that I could be present for him when he was home from school mm -hmm. but to do that I needed bigger clients, better paying clients and less of the bitty work. So I was doing lots of like sh very, very short projects that took up a lot of extra admin time. And I was like, mm -hmm. I want bigger projects, I want bigger clients that pay better. Um, and I had no marketing budget because I wasn't earning very much. I was on like minimum wage with with the previous business. Um, so I had one of those LinkedIn emails pop in my inbox. Mm -hmm. Someone has looked at your profile and I was like, hmm. LinkedIn, never really thought of that before. My yeah. posts on Facebook always go down well with the people that I know, they find me funny. Mm -hmm. My Instagram had grown organically. My original like personal Instagram, I was like, 
I'll have a look on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and I logged in and went, oh God, this is awful. <laughs> and logged straight back out again. Um, and I think I got another one of those emails a few more weeks later and I thought, something just said to me, go and have a look. Yeah. Um, and I had like a logo as my profile photo, had no real profile filled in. And I started sort of looking about what other people were doing and I switched my profile up a bit and started commenting on the kind of clients that I wanted to work with mm -hmm. and very quickly started getting clients inquiring about my business but I wasn't really posting um and then I started posting and I just did the typical tumbleweed stuff like it got eight likes from old colleagues <laughs> and I and people I went to school with I was like oh this is embarrassing I love those people yeah. like the, the regular supporters <laughs> they don't support me now though they don't see my content anymore they probably muted me for being annoying um so yeah, and I, I think I'd spoken to a few people and saw people having a little bit of fun on there. Mm -hmm. And the more I engaged with those people, the more my newsfeed started to change. And I was like, actually, this isn't as stuffy as I thought it was. And then I think I put some like meme up and it and it got 25,000 views on it. And I was like, wow. whoa, okay, humor's all right here. Like I can be funny. Funny is my comfort zone. Like yeah. being silly and, and um, a bit goofy, that's where I'm comfortable. I don't want to pretend to be this like perfect corporate professional because that's not me at all. But if I can be the mum that often goes to school with their leggings on back to front and <laughs> is clumsy and silly, like that, that was more comfortable. So I started posting about being a single mum, mm -hmm. um, traveling, my work, funny projects that I'd worked on. And that's where the traction started. And eventually when COVID kind of affected my tran transcription business, I was already getting so many leads for my other business and everyone was asking me, how are you doing this? How are you getting so many followers? How's your content so good? How's it? So I went, oh, COVID's annihilated the vast majority of my clients from my previous business. Maybe this is an opportunity. Um, and I started offering one hour training sessions on LinkedIn and I've pretty much been fully booked ever since then. That was three years ago in April. That's amazing. So yeah, it's just grown from there. And what kind of, when you first posted, were you consciously thinking, I'm going to do something disruptive here? No. Were you aware of that? No, no, not at all. I didn't even want to show my face. I I okay. thought there's I'm going to get run out of the corporate village. <laughs> I mean, how many people do you see on LinkedIn, or, or certainly three years ago do you see on LinkedIn, that have got neck tattoos and hands tattoos? I was like, especially women, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't belong here. And they're not going to take me seriously. I don't have a proper business. I've just got a little self-employed work from home typing business. It's not a proper business. It, it obviously was, yeah. but that that was how I felt. Um, so I, I didn't think that anybody would take me seriously and it was never about being disruptive at all. It was just, um, I don't feel like I belong here, but it's not gonna work if I try and do it their way because it's not me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna have fun doing it because I, I don't wanna do it otherwise, right? I've got ADHD. If it's not fun, if I don't get the dopamine, I just don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, I just decided, well, if I'm gonna do LinkedIn, if I'm gonna try and make it work, I've gotta make it fun. I've gotta just do it by being myself. And if it doesn't work, well, but I'm not gonna to pretend to be something I'm not. Yeah. And that worked. It's that key word that everyone hates to use, authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one that one follows me around quite a lot. <laughs> but I think what you've done on LinkedIn is just kind of show up as yourself. And I think a lot of young people, especially I speak to, like I go to unis and speak to students. And when I mention LinkedIn, I literally see the room just go, Ugh. Hmm. everyone's like, LinkedIn isn't the place for me. It's very dull, corporate, <laughs> like middle-aged men 
um, yeah. announcing company updates. Corporate like, Collins, no, as I call them. Co- corporate Collins, exactly. <laughs> um, but actually, it's a pla- it's a creator platform now. I, yeah, I'd, 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 yeah, it's massively changed. It? Yeah, it's massively evolved. Um, COVID really changed things. Mm-hmm. It accelerated that need for adult interaction because we couldn't network in person. Yeah. Um, so it became a place where people were talking about the struggles of daily life, lockdown, mm-hmm. kids, um, mental health. And it was like that before, but it was yeah. much smaller, like wasn't nearly as, as prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest mistake so many people make is that they think their own newsfeed is the entire sum of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But because they never engage, they're not seeing things that they're interested in. They're seeing things from their old colleagues, people they went to school with years ago, uh, random people that they've connected with from various countries that they're not interested in their content. When they actually start engaging with people that they genuinely are interested in yeah. and content that they find beneficial, their whole newsfeed will change. So my newsfeed is full of DEI people, neurodiversity, uh, black, LGBT, transgender uh, people talking about. Um, women's issues and mental health that like hugely diverse there's all sorts Mm. of stuff that personally interests me and i don't see the i just bought a new rolls royce or the check out my rolex or Uh uh, people are flying on private i don't see that because it doesn't interest me i don't engage with it so it doesn't i don't see it that's such an interesting thing to say because a lot of people complain about that what they see or, or give kind of like social media this like blanket statement of it's terrible it, it's dull you know yeah but you can just completely craft your own news feeds you have to you have to uh, on any social media it's really important to take control of your own experience mm-hmm. so if there are people that are triggering you in a way that isn't beneficial for your life you don't have to see that maybe you want to have a conversation about why it's triggering you for mm-hmm. yourself but if it's if it's inhibiting how you live your life and how you do business, then maybe you need to unfollow, mute, block, yeah. disconnect, whatever it is, and curate your own experience. But you can't just do that. You also have to engage with the stuff that you like. Mm-hmm. So you have to train your feed. I always say it's like training a puppy. <laughs> if you don't train it properly, there will be shit everywhere. And if and that's exactly it. You have to, or like weeding a garden, you want to pull out the weeds and you want to nurture the plants Mm -hmm. and that's what you need to do and you need to do it regularly it's not just like a do it once and that's it you need to regularly go in and go why don't I like this if I don't like this why don't I just disengage from this person Mm -hmm. and and not have them in my network I think that's really good advice and also with I had a bit of a question when because we skipped a bit there from when you start posting on LinkedIn yeah and things just kind of very quickly took off (laughs) yeah were you conscious about how you were going to scale that into a business? Obviously, you had your, your transcription business before yeah. that, but how did that business element come to posting on LinkedIn? Um, what What do you mean in terms, in terms of, my, of the tra- transcription business? Yeah, so you'd had the transcription business, yeah. and so you'd run a business before and had experience doing it, and then you started posting on LinkedIn a lot more, mm. um, and then made that into kind of a second business. So. So yeah. what was that process like? Um, so the, the posts I was doing on LinkedIn were getting me transcription clients, okay. a lot of them. So I'd gone from just me working for like doctors and, and lawyers and building surveyors a lot. They were kind of my prime, a lot of market researchers as well. And I was getting a lot of business from them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is great. Like all these inbound leads, but I have too much work. So I started taking right. on other transcribers who were freelance. So I built a team of like five of us. And I'd had hundreds, like I'd had over a hundred clients in the first four months I was on LinkedIn and my wow. followers were, there was 10,000 within the first two months of actively posting. Within four months, I was up to about 25,000. Um, 
And that was when people started saying, you know, you need to, you need to show me how to do this. Um, but when it came to actually posting on LinkedIn, I've always been a writer. Yeah. I don't think I've ever really been comfortable referring to myself as that up until this point. But writing copy and writing entertaining, emotional, well thought out posts, it doesn't take me long. I don't think I've ever written a post on LinkedIn that's taken me more than f five or 10 minutes ever. Wow. Because I just, it, the way I write it is how yeah. it comes out of my head mm -hmm. um, from years of practice. But I almost like create these stories in my head when something happens. I'm like, oh, this will be a, a great post mm -hmm. because I can f I can phrase it like this. And it's just how my brain works. Um, so the actual creating content, written content was super easy. Mm -hmm. um, I was more uncomfortable sharing images. Yeah didn't want to show my pictures. Uh, like I did have a profile picture, but I didn't really want to show my face because I thought that's it, credibility gone. Because I've been told my whole life, you'll never get a proper job if you have all those tattoos and you choose to look this way, you'll never get a proper job. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of internalized that and assumed that yeah. I had to kind of be a bit discreet about that on LinkedIn. So how did you overcome that then? Uh, someone just said to me like, do you want to work with people that are going to judge you? I was like, no, you're right, actually, I don't. I, I don't want to work <laughs> with those people. So I just kind of went, okay, well, this is me. And it, it got the first photo, got a lot of in interaction, loads of people saying, you know, tattoos aren't professional, blah, blah, blah. But also a lot of people saying it doesn't matter. Um, and that made me realize that actually it, it it's making me noticeable. Yeah. And it is, it's a, rather than me try and be something that I'm not and hide the fact that I'm covered in tattoos, why not just use it as part of my marketing and I can be distinctive and memorable because of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the beginning of where my marketing brain sort of switched on and I started thinking of opportunities and how I could leverage aspects of who I am to turn myself into a brand, mm -hmm. if you like. I I don't, I try not to distinguish between who I am and who the brand is too much, but it there are certain aspects of me that are very marketable. Mm -hmm. um, being a single parent, for example, it creates a lot of, um, people feel kind of like they want to take care of me in some ways, or like proud of me for, for doing it all on my own. And it brings out this kind of nurturing side in people and this empathy, which obviously is, is a powerful marketing tool. Um, so that's something rather than pretend that, you know, I, or not talk about it. I was like, well, I may as well talk about it then because actually it connects really well with people and it inspires other single parents. Um, yeah. or people in difficult situations. So it was like m my brain started spotting the marketable things about me and going, okay, well, I need, I can leverage this and I can use this to my advantage rather than trying to hide it about myself. Mm -hmm. I love that. And with, you said writing, like you've always just had yeah. a bit of a flair for writing. Is that something that goes way back in like school, college days? Yeah, uh, I I was always good at English mm -hmm. and I devoured books as a kid. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons people didn't spot my ADHD is because my ADHD hyperfocus was often reading. Uh, okay. And, you know, obviously I'm a really good student if I'm reading lots, <laughs> yeah. um, but I would just lose myself into books for days. I think the most yeah. I did was like 30 books in a month I read Wow. when I was in Thailand. Yeah. What type of books? What, what All sorts of books. I love crime fiction. Yeah. Um, I don't really read too much uh, nonfiction. Like, yeah. I like to lose myself in the world of fiction. Mm -hmm. So it's like crime gangster novels, fantasy novels. Um, sometimes it was like war stories, mm -hmm. Holocaust sort of survival stories. Like those were nonfiction. Yeah. Um, I'd love to read about like history. 
So I would just lose myself in books. But when you immerse yourself in words and phrasing and professional writing, like you, you can't help but pick a lot of it up. I think. Yeah, because I think a lot of advice that I see on LinkedIn as, as well now is to create great content, you have to consume great content. Yeah. And you've also, I think, got to live, like you've got to live a little to talk about experiences and build that. Yeah. You can't just craft a story out of nowhere. Um, what, what do you think about that? I think it's more than just consuming good content. You have to notice what's good about it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, yes, you need to consume content, a lot of it, but you need to pay attention to why that piece of content stopped you from scrolling. Mm-hmm. What what was it about that headline that made you go, I need to know the rest of this, yeah. how you can replicate it, how you can phrase things. Because one of the things I see a lot, especially with like clients, is they'll over explain things. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a nuance with LinkedIn content is that you need to tell the story yeah. but you need to get to the point quickly yes. because people on LinkedIn are in a very much a I'm very busy mindset. So if you make them work to get to the end of that story and it feels like an effort, mm-hmm. they'll just scroll on to something else. So it's about knowing the exact amount of detail to include without laboring the points and not going off on random tangents. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you'll notice now, that I've said it and you're probably aware of it anyway, but especially people who are neurodiver- neurodivergent, they're very good at writing without fluff. Mm-hmm. Very good. They get ex- Ellie Middleton is fantastic at it. Lewis Kemp is absolutely a genius at it. He really gives you the feel for the story mm-hmm. and exactly what's happening with just the right amount of adjectives. But he never ever goes on and on, mm-hmm. like I am probably now. But <laughs> but it's it's one of those things. It's like getting to that point and phrasing things and you, not using more words than you need to in your content. Um, yeah. And that's a that's a real nuance, I think, of social media in general. Absolutely, and spe- like you said, especially on LinkedIn, everybody is there for something, right? You, yeah. They either want to learn something quickly, they want someone's help, or they're trying to sell something. Mm-hmm. So I think that advice you give around getting to the point quickly is is absolute gold. And I also say it to our clients as well. Yeah. Like when you when you send us something, and I, I'll get an idea from them that will be like, literally, I've had like two A4 pages long. I'm like, this isn't a LinkedIn post. This is like an intro to a novel <laughs> like, let's, let's break this down simplify edit 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 yeah but like, like you said there's i've worked with some neurodiverse people like freelancers in the past and it's just so quicker it's just like yeah. almost seamless that that edit i don't have to you know suggest it it just kind of comes edited yeah i think it is a, a, like a real advantage yeah um, I, I definitely something that the more people that i see on linkedin that are neurodivergent the more i start mm. to notice those parallels and yeah. i go yeah they're, they're really no they're not fluffy people it's very straight to the point but it's twitter's a really good one to teach yourself to be mm-hmm. better at that like i i've just started using twitter more often yeah. and it's made me realize how much i have to because you've obviously only got a much shorter amount yeah. of space on Twitter, so I'm like, okay, I can be far more succinct than even I am on LinkedIn. Yeah. I've got to really edit down what I'm saying to, to convey a point without without too much information. It really forces you to get into that habit as well. There's some, yeah. like, I also look on Twitter um, to get inspiration for, for content and structure for, for LinkedIn because it's just like so straight to the point. It just cuts mm. the fluff and, and I think, yeah, that's really good advice. 
This podcast is proudly sponsored by Fabric, a marketing training academy that runs a world-leading master strategy program for marketers looking to excel in their careers. The program teaches you frameworks that have been used by global brands and coaches you how to build a live marketing strategy in just 12 weeks. Now, I personally know many people who have completed Fabric's program and who have benefited directly from getting promotions and accessing dream job roles to accessing increased marketing budgets and gaining a confidence to excel in their careers. Fabric is kindly offering listeners of this podcast 10% off their program so you can secure your place on it. For more information, check out the link in the bio. Use code REBELS10 in all capitals to claim the offer. In terms of your kind of journey with, with ADHD, where did, like, let's rewind a little bit and where did that start? When did you realise? So? Um, so I worked with a lady called Alice Stevenson right back at the start mm -hmm. uh, when I first started doing LinkedIn training and I actually did some ghostwriting for her as well originally. Um, and she's got, uh, she's neurodiverse. Mm -hmm. And I noticed some things that she talked about, about her neurodiversity that made me go, that feels really familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And then I saw more people starting to talk about it and the symptoms and the things that they've struggled with. And I was like, oh my God, like, and so then I started looking into it a little bit more. And I read a blog from a, um, a mum who'd been late diagnosed with ADHD. And I was like, oh my God, this is like every single point of this is me. Um, so that's when I started querying it. And I thought there's, and I did one of the online tests and it was like, yeah, pretty conclusive that you are, you have got um, ADHD and potentially autism as well. And I was like, oh, wasn't expecting that one. Um, so I, I just left it for a while and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to pursue a diagnosis, but then I did. Uh, I went privately last year um, and I've encouraged a few people to do it as well, just for that validation, mm -hmm. to, to understand myself a bit more. I think it is um, it is a huge topic at the moment and it's it's become such a huge topic that people are rolling their eyes when you bring it up now. Um, personally, I think there are some people that are amazing advocates for it. And I think their voice is just so beneficial to the world, but there's also people that are allowing it to become their entire identity mm -hmm. and forgetting that there is so much more to who they are than this label that's put on them. I think labels are really helpful for us to find each other um, and to feel like we're not alone, you know, to, to have yeah. that. But I think it becomes dangerous when, and I mean, this is potentially an unpopular opinion, but I find anybody who completely defines their identity identity by one aspect vegans for example mm -hmm. right all of support of it but it's like once you become a vegan so many of them it becomes their entire identity mm -hmm. and it's everything that they talk about is in every one of their bios and they will bring it up at every and i'm not saying all vegans at all i've got some amazing vegan friends that would never dream of trying to convert mm -hmm. me i'm vegetarian myself but it's not something that i really talk about yeah unless you're sat opposite me at a restaurant and they say, oh, what are you going to go for? And I, that's uh -huh. when the conversation comes sure. up. Um, crossfitters, for example. <laughs> you'll, you'll get people make jokes about crossfitters <laughs> because it becomes their whole idea. And I, I'm not against any of these people or the way they live their lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that for a second. But I think if you allow one aspect of who you are to become your entire identity, you're going to lose really important parts of who you are as well. And for me, I don't want any of those things to... I don't want to be defined as a tattooed professional or um, a LinkedIn influencer or a single mum or a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I don't want any of those labels to be entirely defined me. I'm, I'm a culmination of all those things and so much more. What would you, 
want people to think when they hear the name Leah Turner? Oh, good question. Um, I think what it really fundamentally comes down to is I want to make a positive impact on the world. And that's not just talking about LinkedIn, that's talking about beyond like the charity work that I've got involved with. Um, I, okay, get, get a little bit emotional, but my dad passed away when I was 10 from cancer. Um, and when he died, his funeral was held in this really big church that was local. Um, we weren't a religious family, but it was at the local church and the church was packed. And he was a window cleaner, right? He earned hardly any money. He left school at 14, joined the Navy, had nothing. Um, poor as church mice when we were kids. And he filled that church with people whose lives he'd impacted in some way. Even if it was just whistling on his window cleaning round yeah. and singing a song and having a cup of tea and a chat mm-hmm. with someone. But these people cared about him and they all felt positively about him. And I was like, if I die and I've got a church with 300 people in it that I've impacted in some small way to help them improve their lives, that's, I've won at life. I've, I've done what I, I've come here to do. So for me, it's, it's being able to create what my dad did. And my dad, dad did it with no money and no education, but I'm, privileged in that now I, I've, I've got a, a decent education not a private school education but like I did all right at school um and I'm, I'm making a good income now I'm like okay so I've got to make that impact I can't go through life not not yeah doing things to help other people mm-hmm. so that's yeah I hope that ultimately one day that'll be what people think of that's a really really nice way to to just approach everything in life like yeah. leaving that legacy and having that impact on others more so than tying it down into like tangible I want to earn this amount of money or I want to have this amount of things or it, I want to go on this many holidays yeah I, I love that well I want to do all of those things as no, well. of course I mean I'm, I'm not, not already you know the yacht can wait but um <laughs> it would be nice you know to, to be able to go on lots of holidays and, and traveling is important to me but yeah for me it's more about the legacy I want to leave is is a legacy of mm-hmm. um, having been a good human, raised a good human, and yeah. helped other people to be happier, better, earn more money, live a safer life, yeah. whatever it might be. And a big part of that obviously recently has been the charity work, which I feel like it's ramped up quite a couple of gears in, in yeah. the last year or so. Yeah, how, how thank you, you for being part of part of my um, initiative for that as well, because you you sort of returned the favour, didn't you, from my my marketing book that I did. Yeah. Um, that started, oh my gosh, uh, like exactly a year ago. Is mm-hmm. it, what date is it today? The 21st, 22nd? So it's yeah. the 24th of February last year when the okay. Ukraine war broke out. Um, and I saw something on TV and it was just a mum and a little boy in a train station huddled refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just broke my heart. And I tried not to watch the news. I stopped watching the news during COVID because yeah. I was like, oh, I can't deal yeah. with it. Um, and I, I saw it and my heart broke and I just wanted to do something positive. And I knew I had a network that, trust me, that pay a lot of money for my services. And I was like, right, do a webinar. Um, and I did a webinar. Oh, I remember that webinar. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, I'll get a couple of the other LinkedIn experts to join me. And I literally woke up on a Saturday morning, text my mate and I was like, I'm going to do this thing. And he's like, okay. As I need a charity to donate it to. Do you know, we need to find someone on the ground yeah. helping. And he introduced me to Chris Lomas of Hope4. Um, and I just messaged Chris out. He was like, I'm hosting a webinar. I'm going to give you all the money. Um, don't know how much it's going to be, but I'm hoping to make five grand. And he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because yeah. they were literally there. Um, and so I 
that morning in bed, still in my pajamas, I logged on, I created a Calendly event on Calendly, linked it all to Zoom, created a landing page. My son's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, I'm saving refugees. <laughs> um, and we put it on sale and within two hours we had two and a half thousand pounds. And the money came straight into my Stripe account and I had the money in my business. So I sent the money directly to Chris, knowing that I would get it in the like next instantly week. Like instantly that. and they were out buying food and supplies, like within a couple of hours of launching it. And it went on to make, uh, we sold 950 tickets. Mm -hmm. We raised over 40,000 pounds in cash and then it continued to roll in. So we did PR, um, we sold the webinar and um, then we got, companies like Bidfood started donating. They'd seen the mm -hmm. campaign and more and more people became aware of Hope For. And it's gone on to uh, the whole thing. They're estimated made of 250,000 pounds in cash donations, um, food, water, transport, over 250,000 pounds. And then I went out to Moldova in January to actually see the work that they're doing, which was really tough. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've still really processed what I saw out there. Um, but we managed to raise another 15,000 while I was out there. And then the marketers for Moldova book that you helped out, um, 30 articles from 30 marketers, all different areas of marketing. And we made about 4,000 pounds with that as well. That's so, amazing. Yeah, and that's the stuff that feels really good. Also hor horrible, because like seeing that stuff, it's not, yeah. not fun, but. It was what, good. What made you really want to go out there and see it? On the I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to go. No. Uh, if you'd spoken to anybody, like really close to me on the lead up, like I'd gone to my doctor. I got Valium from my doctor. So I was so anxious, um, and I, I just said over and over, I was like, I don't want to go. Like I really want to see Chris and I want to see the work that they're doing, but I really don't want to go because I don't know how I'm going to cope with it emotionally. And there were parts of it where like, I had to leave the situation because I was just in floods yeah. of tears. And I really struggled with it. Um, but I, f I felt a sense of duty mm -hmm. because I knew my presence over there would raise more money. Yeah. Um, and I and I knew it would help to um, motivate me to do more um, and to have actually seen what it's really like over there because it's 80% poverty and they've still taken 90,000 refugees. 90,000 yeah. refugees that they've taken over the border and people are moaning about the amount we take here and you're like that country is 80 percent poverty and they've still taken in that many people mm -hmm. we really have no excuse agreed but agreed i think also it shows the power of social media to, to raise that amount of money so yeah. quickly and have such a big impact on the ground i mm. think um that's really a testament to one your brand as well yeah just for really helping that take off but also the power of everyone else as well like the community yeah. spirit yeah i think it's in times like that it really really illuminates the really positive well, aspects well you still get the your person's going you're just doing it for pr you're like yes i'm definitely going oh, to you, stick you myself in poverty <laughs> just because i want you <laughs> i want the pr for it. like yes i'm definitely leaving my son for four days to go to a country where like a war-torn, not war-torn, but you know, just the, the saddest situation, yeah. some of them. Like, that would be the, like, I could just go on a TV show or like, yeah. I don't know, change my name legally again and I, I could do any sort of PR stunt. Why would I do that if it was for PR? Like, that's a lot of effort to go to. Yeah, let's talk about the knobheads on LinkedIn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> because you, you've, you've been posting for uh, quite a while now and yeah. 
you are 100% authentically yourself, you show up as you are, there's no kind of filter, you're not trying to please an audience. Obviously, you know, when, when you're mm. marketing a brand, there's elements that you show. Yeah, I'd say 90% authenticity, like there's still, yeah. you still got to consider um, how you respond to things. And sometimes someone might say something to me and I might want to go, fuck off you knob. But I can't <laughs> say that because I've got to be professional. Whereas in real life, if someone actually came up to me and said that, I would just be like, you're an absolute dick. Yeah. Where I can't do that on LinkedIn. So there's like, yeah, 90%. Did it, did it impact you at the beginning? Or, you know, when you got those kind of comments, people disagreeing or being quite rude or making comments about your appearance or whatever else? Yes, until I realised that I could twist it and use it to my advantage. Yeah. I think at first I was just, it made me, I've always had pushback, right? Yeah. I've always... I've, for most of my adult life, I've been heavily tattooed. Mm -hmm. And before it was fashionable, before people did it because they wanted to be an OnlyFans model or yeah. they wanted to look cool. Mm -hmm. uh, it, for me, it was something that I, I started when mm -hmm. I was really young before you ever would see women with lots of tattoos. Um, so I've always had that kind of, you're a bit different, you're a bit weird. Uh, so I, it wasn't those that really bothered me. The ones that bothered me more was the people that would um, make inappropriate comments or send me creepy DMs. That right. that was more annoying. Um, but then I realised that I could just edit out their names, post it and use it as hilarious content when I replied mm -hmm. to them. And I think my first viral post was a guy who messaged me who um, was like, so what's your favourite position? Oh, and I just put CEO and badass move <laughs> <laughs> and i just i like screenshot it posted it and it went like huge and i was like oh wow but i hadn't quite edited his name out completely okay. i meant to and yeah. it was a complete mistake but i was really quite new to and i hadn't so you could vaguely read his name um but i'd blocked him so i don't know if he ever even knew about it but it was it was funny mm -hmm. um and that got me a lot of a lot of women going way to handle it, brilliant ways. And I went, actually, when I handle it this way, and instead of letting them upset me, I do it with humor mm -hmm. and I use it to also elevate my brand and empower other women. I was like, oh, actually, this works quite well. Yeah. So while I don't want to do it all the time, mm -hmm. throwing one out every now and then, and it also warns other men off from doing it yeah. um, because they go, well, I don't want to end up like that. So they just don't challenge me on it. But Every time I post something like that, I'll get a load of DMs from women saying, thank you so much because I've had someone doing like that mm -hmm. to me and I didn't know what to say. And now I felt more confident to like combat it and yeah. stick up for themselves. I'm like, I love that. That's, yeah. I mean, you'll always get the guys going, oh, posting one of these again. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's always about how fit you think you are and all these guys are paying you all the attention. I'm like, it's mm, not really the reason. You can post but, about anything on LinkedIn, can't you? And there'll always yeah. be an angle that somebody can come at it with Always. in disagreement. It could be the Always. most positive, you know, amazing thing that you've done. And someone's, somebody's gonna have something negative to say, right? I had a woman with a bowl cut tell me that my nose rings were, were ugly and I was just like, <laughs> you chose that fringe love. I mean, I'm really not taking fashion advice from you. I didn't obviously say that. Actually, I think I did say that. I think I replied to her saying um, something along the lines of, uh, I, you'll have to excuse me not taking your style tips when you chose that fringe. <laughs> and I was like, I can say that because I'm not that. swearing and I'm not outright bullying, so. Yeah. So, yeah. I see it a lot with, um, cl the clients that, that we work with, um, especially female clients, when you I log into their account and they have 
50 DMs and I go through them, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, five to 10 of these are just weird, creepy men. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going in, I'm like deleting them and archiving them and, and getting rid of them before clients see it. Cause you know, it, it's, yeah, it's not Luke does a, that for a me nice now. thing to see. Um, what do you think like LinkedIn or any other social media platform can do to help combat that? I know you speak to people at LinkedIn and you're part of a few initiatives. Yeah, um, I mean, personally, if it was me, I'd want a three strikes and you're out rule. Mm-hmm. And I would, and and I think, you know, if a guy's sending me a love heart from my profile video yeah. or the, um, hello, ma'am, you so sexy people, <laughs> and you're like, I think if there was just an opportunity to go, right, we'll review it, yeah, flagged, breaks the rules. Yeah. Three of those, and they get a warning on the last one. You're on your last warning, you lose your account. Mm-hmm. And then they're out. Um, because I think actually women are more more women than probably we realise are leaving LinkedIn because they're sick and tired of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a real propensity towards taking like photos, posting selfies and showing who you are now um, mm. more than there ever was. But I know every time I post a photo, I put a poster post up on like Monday of me holding a block of cheese yeah. and I got like 50 connection requests from random men in random professions that are nothing to do with me or my industry um sending me connection requests yeah. and i was just like i know why you're here mm-hmm. and it ain't about the cheese so um i it's hard it's human nature to some extent but at the same time i i do feel like they need to come down harder on people mm-hmm. and just you know make it very clear you know, if if a message is reported and it's upheld, they get a, an email that says, this is why it's inappropriate. This is why it breaks the rules. If you're caught doing it again, mm-hmm. you will have your account suspended permanently. Um, I don't uh, think they'll do it because I think they'd lose too many accounts on LinkedIn. Uh, there, there's a lot of them. There's, there's a lot of them. And you never really think that when, unless you're in the LinkedIn kind of world, you don't see that and you'd never associate those accounts with a professional yeah. platform. Yeah. So I think that almost it makes it even worse. And especially it's, it's, it's mad that so many people have their employer listed by their name and then will publicly leave a comment that is such a dodgy comment. And it's like, what are you doing? I had, I had a guy lost his job because he sent me a really inappropriate DM. Do you know this story? No, t- tell us the story. So, um, I can't remember his name now. But this guy sent me a DM, never spoken to him, uh-huh. weren't connected. First thing he sent me was, great tits, Leah, lovely, heart, heart. That oh was his gosh. only message to me. And I didn't actually respond. Yeah. I reported the message and I was like, fucking creep. Mm. Like, what a horrible thing to, yeah. like, don't, don't do that. Um, Hilariously, his fo- profile photo was a photo of him wearing like a snorkel mask and it was split and like his wife was oh the other half gosh. of the photo. She had the other half of the photo. So he's a married man um, and he worked for United Utilities. Uh, so it's like one of their reps. And LinkedIn came back and said his message hadn't breached their wow. TOS. And I was like, I know at that point, yeah. these things don't normally bother me. I don't know what, maybe I was a bit sensitive that day, but I just, I think I'd had a lot of them in a row and I was just like, for fuck's sake. And I've done the thing that they suggest me do, that yeah. I do. And it's still come back that this hasn't breached the rules. And I'm sick of this. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I posted it 
and I said, LinkedIn, you've just let me down. This message was sent into my inbox and I didn't cover his name and I tagged United Utilities. And originally I did actually tag his wife, but I was like, that's probably a shit thing to do. So I untagged her. Um, but ultimately I think she probably needed to know. Um, probably didn't, from what I could gather, she wasn't an active LinkedIn user. Um, but it became apparent so United Utilities got in contact and apologised to me. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn apologised to me. Um, in fact, LinkedIn's head of trust and safety got in contact to apologise to me. Um, and he lost his job as a result of it because it, and it wasn't his first offence. That's not the only reason. So lots of people from United Utilities were fuming about this. And a few have messaged me and said, he's been reported for this before. Oh wow! Um, and he's done this with other people within the company. Uh, people have reported that they've been uncomfortable when he's visited their sites, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so although at first I sort of listened to the LinkedIn feedback, people going, you might have cost him his job. He's probably got kids to feed, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, excuse me, what? I don't have to put up with yeah. sexual harassment so his children can eat. That's his responsibility, not mine. Um, so I pushed back on that. But yeah, I mean, the post went went pretty big. Yeah. And yeah, he lost his job. It's but I, I just feel like good because the next yeah. time he's about to sexually harass someone in the workplace or whatever, maybe he'll think twice and maybe he won't do it because maybe he'll lose his job again. Mm-hmm. But you got you don't learn lessons unless you suffer consequences, do you? So Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great story. I think it's a great outcome. And the fact that LinkedIn said it didn't you know, violate yeah, their... Yeah, I think that was like, some massive oversight. They've been a lot better in mm-hmm. the ones that I've reported since then. Um, I think they're always saying that they've got these initiatives, but we all know what LinkedIn are like. They'll, they'll be focused on taking our pinned feature away or our curious <laughs> reaction and bringing in starring inboxes instead of actually tackling sexual harassment on the platform. Like, come on, yeah. we, we want we want to be able to organise our inboxes properly. We want the pinned comment feature back, please. And we just want to not be sexually harassed. Please concentrate on it's, those things. It's not a big ask, LinkedIn. I don't it's know really not. Cameras, LinkedIn, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. But... I- I mean, LinkedIn as a platform has changed massively, hasn't it, in the last two to three years? Um, yeah, people blame me for it. I'm like, I can't take all the credit. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not me. Blame me for it. They should be celebrating <laughs> you for it. I think it's such a, you know, overall, yeah. I think it's, it's a massively positive change. It's mo- a lot more inclusive, for one thing. It's yeah. a lot more diverse, the voices on there. Yeah. Um, that might just be our little bubble, though. It, you know, it, yeah. Yeah, because there's still, be, like, natural tea party Trump supporters and anti-abortionists <laughs> like all over the place but we don't uh, see that because we've exactly. got our own little happy diverse bubble created a, uh, a nice little community mm. um, no that's actually a really good point echo chambers yeah. they definitely exist yeah um, I had a client and um, he's based in the US and he, we, we shared a post on his account and um, it got like 72,000 reactions in like three days oh um, so much so that it was getting queries through his website people just commenting about the post yeah. and it was really really positive for like two or three days and then within the space of an hour there was thousands of really negative comments and I think it hit like the Trump audience I'm not gonna lie yeah and you'd go on their profile and you'd just know instantly you know if like someone's a weirdo when you, you go on their profile and you see the image and uh, oh, here's another mm-hmm. one um and it he was getting hate comments death threats yeah. by a website and it's just it's insane how like social media can just switch like that. I've I remember doing a post in a around Pride Month mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, talking about um, my my personal allyship to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, 
and I watched it go around the world. So in the UK, it was all really supportive content yeah. in the mornings. Uh, and then around after lunch, it hit an American crowd and it had gone beyond my own existing network who had yeah. context to who I was and my story mm -hmm. and who I am as a person. And it hit that like conservative American audience, Republican audience. Mm -hmm. And then it was like all of this God stuff and I was like, okay. And then it was places like, and I'm not generalizing, but obviously there are different mm -hmm. uh, cultures around course, being yeah. being um, LGBTQ plus in places like Uganda and Nigeria. And you'd get that audience coming through South Africa. It's anti-God, you're going to hell, all of this. And I was like, wow, this is really intense. Then it hit Australia and it was all positive again. Yeah. And like <laughs> that, side of the, that side of the world was all positive again. And it was just really interesting as like a culture experiment obviously not for the lgbtq plus community yeah. to, to see it and i it, that's always hard when you're when you're standing up for a cause you believe in to to know that that's potentially then going to create n negativity that they're seeing it's always like do i say anything because there's mm -hmm. there's going to be good and bad come from this um but to watch it travel around the world like that was like wow that's that's really interesting to see the different places that were showing up in the comments people from different and it was really specific places that that re yeah. really surprised me yeah i can imagine because you, you forget when you when you post something that technically you're sharing this post but it's going to the anyone anyone anywhere yeah when it reaches that. past your own following yeah and that's usually when you start getting the nastiness because mm. you go past your first degree connections and the people that follow you. And if that gets enough engagement, it then goes out organically to their network. Mm -hmm. And you start like getting people that will make a snap judgment on who you are as a person based on your picture yeah. or whatever you said in that one isolated yeah. post. And you're like, yeah, but you, you don't know anything else about me. So you're just judging me on this, mm. this one isolated thing that you're making all these aggressive comments. And obviously your own network has a huge amount of context to who you are. Mm -hmm. So don't make, don't jump to those conclusions. You're like, what? Yeah. But that's when you have to remember that you can't take their opinions on board because they don't know really who you are. They mm -hmm. only know this little tiny snapshot. So you can't, you just have to kind of brush those mm -hmm. ones off. It's interesting uh, for any listeners who are watching this, who are actively on LinkedIn, what advice would you give someone starting out now? Um, I think the first thing is actually, if you want to have an impact on LinkedIn, mm. make sure your profile is fully optimised, all of the different areas of your profile, because mm. if you're trying to get clients, you, you've got to have your profile done. Um, it's your own it's your own website, essentially, where people can, whether it's a job or, or clients you're trying to get, it's like where people can really find out who you are as a person, yeah. what your skills are, what you've got to offer other people. Um, but trying to create a community of people that help you to feel safe and encouraged. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your comment sections, my comment sections are full of those people, yeah. full of those really nurturing, supportive, encouraging, want to see you win kind of people. Um, that will help you. And I don't mean like creating an engagement pod. I just mean <laughs> start engaging with those people. They'll start mm -hmm. noticing you and engaging in return and you'll start feeling welcome and more encouraged to post because it just feels like talking to friends. Yeah. And I think that helps to bring people out of their shell and don't overthink it. People assume they need to write an essay that sounds super corporate. It's gotta be some sort of like professional white paper for you to post on LinkedIn. It's like, no, yeah. tell me about your day. 
give me a few facts about who you are. Show me how you relax. Talk about something funny that happened to you this week. It doesn't have to be um, an essay on how smart, how much you know about X, Y, Z. It can be, sometimes I just post what I've got scheduled for the day. Yeah. I make a funny comment with it and put a picture and like, people engage and I have a conversation like I would around the, around the coffee yeah. bar at the office in the morning, you know? Yeah, I think something that we've noticed as well in the agency is a lot of people just love watching the, the journey mm. and people documenting the journey just because it makes, you know, one, it's relatable content, yeah. um, it's aspirational content if yeah. somebody's a few steps ahead of where you are and it just humanises the workplace yeah. and, and, and working life, which I think for so long we've made a very clear distinction between work and life mm. and personal and work i feel like that boundary's been blurred a bit in, in covid quite a did that completely didn't it yeah yeah because suddenly we had people yeah. from work in our living rooms it's mm. like oh my ceo is seeing my child run around naked in the background of my zoom <laughs> uh sorry about that and the ceo is like it's fine and his four-year-old swings naked in the background you're like this is a level of bonding i wasn't expecting with my boss but it but it it really does it it has mm. leveled the playing field for a lot of us yeah. and made us all realize that's why i love linkedin it's i've worked from with everyone from like multi multi-millionaire business owners with like 100 million pound businesses um exited founders to people who you know they're they're vas and they're just at the beginning of their journey and they're doing my my digital resources and they talk to one another and they're in my community like having conversations and helping one another and you're like this is so cool to be able to level that playing field like that yeah you, know, you can't access everyone but you can access a lot of people on linkedin yeah 100 percent. where do you want to take your current brand and, and, and business in the future have you, do you have like a, a, th a three five ten ten year plan or are you t kind of taking it um, I mean, up to this point, I've really winged it. Yeah. Uh, but this year I've started to put a bit more structure in place. So I'm working on a new digital course. Mm -hmm. I've got my business community. So I, I host masterclasses and LinkedIn clinics. And we have this community of 200 people now mm -hmm. who, who that's like a paid membership. And I love it. They're so amazing. Everybody in there is so supportive. Um, it's, it's better than I ever imagined it would be. I've stopped one-to-one -one training now. And I'm focusing a lot on doing corporate training and speaking events. So yeah. I'm booking quite a few speaking jobs got my first international one was that, that in denver i'm going to denver colorado yeah that's amazing which is mad um and uh, i'm doing atomicon as well which is quite exciting because yeah. it's quite a big one um yeah i i have got a plan in the back of my head um but i'm not really ready to talk about it yet mm -hmm. but it will be something that i'm growing that's not just me um, and something that has value beyond just my brand because I'm I can't sell me mm -hmm. and I can't exit me so I start I need to start building um, around that brand and beyond that brand so that there is something bigger that I can work on which is all scary um, but also exciting and I, I think I'm ready for a new challenge so I love that that sounds really exciting like there's yeah. a lot of different kind of plates you're see spinning and juggling at the moment yeah the business community kind of um that's all well automated so i just go in every day and answer questions and and then invite guests to host things for me um so that works really well and they so many of them support one another as well yeah um but the digital course yeah that's a albatross around my neck at the moment because 
every time I sit down to film, I've got the decorators in the house or I lose my voice or then it's my son's half term. I'm like, oh my God, I just need to get the filming done. Um, but yeah, it's it will work out. It'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be good. Um, and it's, it's the most comprehensive thing I've ever created. It's like 70 videos. Wow. Which is intense. I bet there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, they're all short videos because I mm-hmm. because I've got ADHD. I make things yeah. as if everybody's got it, so it's like mm-hmm. short, bite-sized chunks. And then obviously, as LinkedIn update things, I can cut in a different video with updated information without having to re-record a thirty-minute mm-hmm. video. Um, so, and they can sort of jump around and revisit things if they need an update, which I think is going to be really, really valuable for everybody. A hundred percent. And you mentioned as well the house, and you've got builders in at the moment. And yeah. I saw the Metro article. Um, yeah. Um, uh, talking about that, which I think really like just, it was quite inspiring, obviously, obviously to read. Um, it was obviously written in a metro way. Like, like yeah. you said earlier, it, it's marketed particular aspects of your mm. brand and identity. But if you, if you actually go back like five, 10 years in your life, how different does it look compared to today? I mean, 10 years ago, I was uh, off my tits on mushrooms, dancing mm. around on a full moon party on a Thai beach um, <laughs> As you do. living my best life um, and now I'm a you know I wouldn't have even believed that I'd be a mother back then um, I, I there's no when I had my son we moved six times in, in six years mm-hmm. like we were moved from pillar to post constantly uh, not through our own fault I was always a very good tenant but yeah. Landon wanted a house back there was a slug infestation there was a broken yeah, boiler yeah. like all these different problems um so being able to create a business that during COVID, I had no savings before that. Mm-hmm. I saved my deposit for my house during COVID as a result of the LinkedIn business. And now the business is like hurtling towards nearly a million, million pound turnover in three years, which is outrageous. Amazing. Considering I was a like minimum wage earner, I think 2019 I earned about 17, 18,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. And now that's like not even, I make more than that a month. Um, so it's it, no there's there's nothing that I never would have believed you I never would have believed that I'd be well known on social media yeah. because the just the idea would have made me throw <laughs> up with anxiety um it's just never something I, I would have wanted for myself but mm-hmm. now I have it I feel like a sense of responsibility yeah um I definitely wouldn't have ever imagined myself being able to buy a house mm-hmm. I just thought that was just never going to happen and I was okay with it but yeah it gave me a, I never could feel secure in, in our houses. It was always like, well, I wonder how long we'll be here for. Um, so now that I've chosen to move up to the north and set down roots and my son's in an incredible school, he's got lots of lovely friends and yeah, it's just, it. I, I get quite emotional whenever I think about it too much because it's like, I, I never would have believed I'd be able to have all of that. Mm-hmm. It's more than I'd ever dared to dream of. Yeah. I think that's a nice way to uh, to end the podcast. I've got a couple of questions before we go. Okay. Um, firstly, where can people find you? Uh, look for Leah Rainbow Turner on LinkedIn. I've got the rainbow emoji, so mm. you'll find me there. Um, LeahTurner.co.uk for all my services, products, freebies, um, other podcasts, video interviews and all that, if you've not heard enough of me. Um Instagram. Leah does Instagram. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm quite active on Instagram and Twitter now and both are Leah does LinkedIn. Leah without, without the H. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Um, I've got all the details of all my communities and different offers on, on the website. Perfect, we'll drop all the links below as well. Um, but at the end of every episode, I'm going to be asking all my guests a question. 
Okay. So the question is, what is a strong or unpopular opinion, belief, view that you hold that potentially could get you cancelled? It's a really hard one. <laughs> so I don't feel like I have any thoughts that would get me cancelled. I think an, an unpopular opinion, yeah. and I guess this is probably going to be unpopular to you, is I think there is... And I, I'm guilty of it because I've done ghostwriting for people as well. Yeah. But I think the the huge amount of personal branding mm -hmm. that talk about you've got to be authentic and it's like, well, you can't be authentic. There's no way to be an authentic person if somebody else is writing your content. You might get your own story, but it's mm -hmm. not really coming from you. Because if you're dyslexic, they're not writing with mistakes mm. if they're if you're like super excitable they're not about something they're not going to get that genuine emotion so i think and i'm not saying it shouldn't be done yeah. but i think there's too much of a conversation around being authentic it's like there's mm. nothing wrong with paying someone to create your content and write your story but you can't do that and then claim you're being authentic mm -hmm. and i think it i would prefer if there was more transparency around who are who's using a ghostwriter. I have someone who writes my newsletters for me, mm -hmm. Amy Elliott, she's incredible. And I talk publicly and I celebrate yeah. her and I'm like, she is amazing. She encompasses my voice. I tell her everything that's gone on. Yeah. She turns it into my newsletter. And I feel like I'm being authentic because I'm being transparent. Mm -hmm. But if you're using a ghostwriter and pretending that you don't use a ghostwriter, you're being completely inauthentic because you're, you're, you're per everyone perceives that as you, but it's not really you. And it's not really you in the comment sections. Mm -hmm. And replying to people, you can't you can't talk about community and authenticity if you're hiring somebody to do all of your interactions for you, and pretend to be you. Because like Luke identifies yeah. himself in my DMs when he's speaking to somebody, mm -hmm. and he's not me for me. He's I'm hey, hey it's Luke. Yeah, can I help you? So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think that there's a real clash mm -hmm. in in the the two concepts. If you're paying a ghostwriter, you're not being authentic. Th there's a disconnect there. I love that. And on that note, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And, thanks for uh, having me. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to Rebels podcast with me, Shweb Ahmed. If you've been watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you've been listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, then please give us a five-star rating and a follow. The more successful this podcast gets, the bigger and better guests we can have on in the future. Thank you.